Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. We all want to go out there and play. We all itching to go out there and play because obviously, you know, just it is it's an amazing time to just let your body heal. But same time, man, it's like we've been at home for like two months, so we all want to go out there and play. But every player is saying the same thing: if it's all safe to go, we want to go out there and play. And it's Cantor, former Jazz man, saying everybody wants to go back to play if it's safe. It feels like they're going back to play, but been beating this drum forever. PK, this time it was Ennis Kansas' turn. Ennis Kansas' turn. That's who you owe today. Who would like to make the back to Okay, check Enos off the list. Check him. It's like, it's like playing NBA bingo. <laughs> Blackout! <laughs> I got them all. I need a Kevin Durant, and I need a, uh, I need a Steph Curry. And then I got bingo. The famed Drew League, whose legendary summer runs have hosted Durant, Bryant, Kobe, James Harden, LeBron James, canceled its summer season. So the league was started in 1973. It's a staple in Southern California in summer months, but not happening. Wilson will begin manufacturing game balls for the NBA starting the 21-22 season. Next year will be Spalding's 37th and final season. In that role for the NBA. Wilson was the NBA's original manufacturer. Also going to provide the balls for the G League, the WNBA, and on and on. I wonder if we're going to get uh, if we're going to players say the ball feels different. It's like this is usually a baseball thing, and occasionally it's a football thing for quarterbacks. Is it about to be an NBA thing? There, five or six years ago, they had that issue where they said the grooves were too deep or something. I was giving blisters to people or something like that. A subtle little difference. NCAA's announced yesterday it has extended indefinitely the deadline for college basketball players to withdraw from the NBA draft and retain their college eligibility among the amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, if they could do that now, why can't they just do it all the time, PK? Is this going to be one of the changes that becomes permanent? Yeah, that's what I've been saying. I mean, that's this is an NBA rule. It only favors NBA. And colleges, you should be having rules that favor the college players as much as possible. And they should be allowed, it should be on the NBA to decide, hmm, should we draft this kid or is he going to come back? Give the kid as much leverage as possible, particularly when coaches can literally sign contracts one day, a 10-year contract or agree to it anyway, and then take off for another job the next day. I think that's what we need to do with the players. If they don't want to take off... If they want to stay, then let them stay. Let them go. Let them be drafted, and then they can evaluate their options. You know, I can understand the agent deal and all that stuff. Maybe you put in that rule. But I just don't see why we have rules that basically favor the pro against the college kid. Seems like it's just left over. People haven't thought it out. Now maybe that they sample it, they'll realize, yeah, why not? Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, becomes the second governor, after Arizona's Doug Ducey, to announce that his state is open to pro sports teams and want to resume activity. All pro sports teams are welcome here for practicing and for playing, DeSantis said at a news conference Wednesday in Tallahassee. What I would tell commissioners of the league is if you have a team in an area where they just won't let them operate, we'll find a place for you here in the state of Florida. Seems like this is being done with an eye towards baseball. Come on down. New York teams, Boston, come on down. We're open. So the two spring training states are there. Uh, Major League Soccer is supposed to be headed to Orlando in June. That's Word of that's been leaking out, so uh, there you go. And, of course, the NBA. We've heard the NBA. We haven't heard anything from the governor of that about Vegas, but I guess that's just kind of assumed after the, after the Vegas mayor had a press conference. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who the governor of Nevada is. I'd have to check. Is he Democrat or Republican? Because it seems the Republicans are opening and the Democrats are closing or staying closed. I don't know. It's the first I've heard of Ron. What is his name? Ron. Ron DeSantis. DeSantis. I would assume he's Republican. He is. Assume he's he's been in the. He's been know. in the news for other I have stuff. No idea who the governor is. Uh, has he really? Yep. 
Whole thing about Double. spring break and beaches there a couple months ago. He made a little news over that. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. That has really created a boulder between everyone else and, and Emirates. And while they do control the, the NCAA basketball tournament and, and all the other uh, NCAA-oriented events, the, the Power Five conferences are, are looking for a reason, I think, to say, see you later, uh, NCAA. And I think this may be that seismic shift. That's ESPN's Paul Feinbaum, and of course, uh, came to uh, prominence right in the heart of SEC country. So when he throws that out, I'm expecting he's heard stuff. The Power Five finally with an excuse to go do their own thing, PK. We're out! But that means walking away from the NCAA basketball tournament money. Do they really want to do that? Uh, If they can form their own and get better deals, yeah, they do. Well, everybody needs live programming, so they ought to be able to do it. How much money they'll be able to do it for, I guess, remains the question. But they, they can certainly form a tournament and get some kind of deal for it. And maybe that's enough for them. Uh, the Division One Council Coordination Committee extending its recruiting dead period through June 30th. The football programs has taken away the evaluation period as well as an official visit window that allows rising seniors to take official visits in the spring. If the current dates hold, FBS programs are in a regular dead period from July 1 through 24, which could further affect how signing classes pan out with the early signing period in December. Uh, you were bringing this up with, um, well, I guess we were talking uh, on the basketball front with uh, Tim Lacombe, but we brought it up with some football people over time as well. And it seems like everyone's adjusting with uh, more Zoom, more FaceTime, virtual tours of campus. And they're all spending more time on recruiting since they haven't had spring football. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's something that they can figure out that they can do. You know, the Pac-12 has been making these coaches available uh, for what they call webinars. And mm-hmm. what Powell was on Tuesday. And they have different topics. And yesterday was Chip Kelly and Herm Edwards. And they were talking about uh, recruiting about this, this very thing. One of the offshoots that I took from that is that Herm was saying that there's a lot of high school juniors right now going into their senior year who aren't sure that there's even going to be a senior season. So he has noticed that there's been juniors committing a lot earlier now to make sure they can lock something down because they don't know if they're going to have a senior season. And that's one byproduct of more guys committing earlier. And so he feels like for recruiting purposes, that from the university's standpoint, the football program, is that you need to make sure you're on top of it more than ever because a lot of kids are already making their commitments, not to say that they couldn't change them, but once a kid makes a commitment, that school, at least for a time being, certainly has the inside track on a particular kid, and he thinks that's been changed because of all that's been going on. Coaches recruit relentlessly. How much can they go recruit sophomores because they got even less information on these guys? I mean, they're always making some contact, and, you know, there's some awareness and all that. Hard to make a, a definite decision. But it won't stop coaches. They're pretty aggressive when it comes to recruiting. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. There's probably going to be a season in doing games with no fans. I think Fox and these networks have to put crowd noise under us. I know they'll do it. It's pretty much a done deal. Joe Buck on using crowd noise in games, even in mostly empty or completely empty stadiums. It's just it's a laugh track on sitcoms. And we've been here before. Uh, yeah, if that's what they end up doing, I really don't care. The idea for me is to watch the football game, not to worry about the crowd noise and all that stuff. It doesn't seem like in the professional ranks that they really spend a lot of time on the crowd. What they end up doing, especially if uh, you're Jerry Jones or you know, back in the day with Al Davis, they focus on you a lot and you get those shots of Robert Kraft in the owner's box and all that type of stuff. But they don't have as much crowd shot as they would do, say, more than in a college game where it seems like they focus a little bit more on the the kids, the college kids, and whose face is dressed up or whatnot. Maybe they do at the pro rank, but I don't even really notice it because I'm watching the game. No, I think you're right. I think there's fewer crowd shots and uh, there's more celebrities, people who... uh you know, they've got, 
They've got the image, they've got the brand, and they uh, it, it gets people fired up one way or another. Ah, there's Kraft. He knows Patriots cheat all the time. Jared Jones, I love to watch him lose, and they get yeah. into all that kind of stuff. And you get, you know, Jerry's turning, right. looking at the rest of the football brain trust, who all shares his DNA. Telling son, his, what are we doing telling here? Telling his son-in-law to clean those glasses for yeah. him. And then there's some perfect Betty with the total Texas hair. Yes. <laughs> Yay! All right, great. All right, Washington Redskins rookie tight end. That is Moss told reporters he's seeking to forge his own path in football. Distance himself from his Hall of Fame father, Randy Moss. Quote, I'm just tired of the comparisons. Everybody keeps mentioning my father, mentions his last name, but just the identity I want to make is my own identity. Look forward to making a name for myself. Close quote. He's an undrafted free agent out of LSU. So we'll see if he makes it. And uh, then the burden. Yeah. yeah, the burden of the name. The, the burden that Thaddeus says to carries, it's just unreal. I can only imagine. All right, there's the news. That is what is trending this morning. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the jazz. His weekly visit at 8.30. Joe Ingles at 9 o'clock. Joe's going to be a dad again. They made the announcement on social media. Another Ingles headed for Utah. All right, we'll talk with Joe at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Keith Smith, Yahoo Real GM and Pro Basketball Talk. What's your best guess about what form it will take? For a long time, I believed we were going to see all 30 teams in some semblance of finishing out the regular season. I'm starting to think that that just seems less and less likely. Adam Silver seemed to be pretty consistent in that he wants to have as close to a real playoffs as he can with seven-game series and those types of things. If you're going to do that, I think you're probably going to have to let go of the idea of finishing out some semblance of a real regular season with all 30 teams. Maybe a shortened regular season featuring maybe just playoff contending teams and then right into the playoffs after that. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Texture Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. Master Electrical Services will light up your day. ESPN came out with a list. Not list radio, PK. Not list websites. That's crazy. ESPN lists the top five NBA players of all time as Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bill Russell, and Kareem. Who you got? Who doesn't belong in that five? Who else should be in that five? And is there enough separation from that five to the next five? Or would you be really happy seeing Oscar Robertson, Kobe Bryant, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, and Wilt Chamberlain go against these five and see what happens. Game on. Well, the second five that they listed don't include doesn't include Oscar Robertson. I saw that. I was surprised by that too. Why? Uh, I, I think off everything I've read and heard, that putting him in the top ten seems like a good idea. Who are you taking out? Probably Shaq. And the other thing is you could take out Shaq and put in Wilt. Now, I was trying to construct a team, so that probably Wilt's messes with it a little bit. Right. In, I think on their top Wilt's ten, the, second five. the top ten I took out was Shaq. You know, and so Shaq and Wilt together, does that, you know, is that congest the floor too much? Do you really want five different guys for five it's positions? It's not a team. No, it's players. It's not a team. It has nothing to do with the team. It's the top f- players of all time. We're not saying the top five t- that create a team. That, that has, that's not even in the equation. So it has nothing to do with congesting anything. This isn't a freeway. It's just the top players of all time. If there would have been five centers, they would have put five centers. So it's not about playing anybody. Daniel says LBJ1, MJ2. Disagree. Kareem, three. Magic, four. Five is tough. And he says Big O, although he acknowledges Russell and Wilt are deserving. But he slides him to six and seven. 
Well, of course, every one of these guys is deserving. I don't think there's any question. If you're going to go the top ten players of all time, uh, then by and by virtue of that, number ten is worthy of being number five. Certainly, I think he is. I don't think there's any question on that. You can consider them to be interchangeable. Uh, so I don't have any problem with any of these guys, these top tens that they list. Just if you want somebody on, somebody else has to come off. Jeffrey says it's hard to argue that list. Maybe Wilt over Russell, but yeah, it's not like changing the outcome of any game with that exchange. Hard to take Wilt over Russell Again, when there's they no games met. to be played. Yeah, hard to take Wilt over Russell when they met in the playoffs so often and Russell won so often. Uh, I I, uh, I don't know about that. I mean, it was did Wilt ever have the better teams? Before my time. I think we can we all like, look it up. I think we can all name guys from the Celtics teams outside of Bill Russell. <laughs> yeah, but you can yeah. name when he was in LA. You can name Jerry Ooh, West. But and, before that, I'm even thinking yeah. about the Philadelphia. The Philadelphia team. That's yeah. not when. Yeah, but but if you're if you're basing this argument on Will Chamberlain Chamberlain's later career, the, you got to go. You're Philly. not even putting him in the top ten. Good point. Yeah, I'll be, and actually, the uniform that they list him in it says San Francisco. <laughs> So they got I'd have Warriors to go back uniform. and look to see. I just well, I'm looking at the picture right now, and it says San Francisco across the chest. So I don't even know. I couldn't name any teammates. I guess I can name you Hal Greer in Philadelphia. I think I could. Whereas I can name you all sorts of Boston <laughs> players. Down, so the roster. I mean, clearly it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, we know these. Then a lot of these guys have their numbers retired and whatnot. So if you go in that direction, you can look at it and say, "Wow, Russell had the better team, many way more times than not." So that's a knock on Will Chamberlain. I mean, Will Chamberlain statistically, to this day, is by far it's not even close. Not most even dominant player of all time. <laughs> not even. Right. Right. <laughs> The statistics, the statistics that he put up are just absolutely 100% mind-boggling. No one has come close to putting up anything even in the ballpark of those statistics. Six years with the Warriors, and, and he moved to I don't San even know how many times they, they fa- I don't even know how many times they squared off against each other. I would have to look it up, but at least a half dozen. Yeah, I don't know. Three, uh, let's see, Bird and Magic, three and uh, three NBA Finals. Russell Celtics won seven of eight playoff series against Chamberlain's Warriors, Sixers, and Laker teams. Because he was with the Warriors and in Philly, moved to San Francisco, whatever year that was, did some time there, and then we got traded back to Philly to the Sixers before he went off to the Lakers. So, His record was 50. Russell was 57 and 37 against Wilt in the regular season and 29 and 20 in the playoffs. And four times it went seven games. And the combined margin of the four game sevens was nine points. Ugh. Hear about Jerry West's frustration in the playoffs all the time, but how about Wilt's? It's a lot of very close games. Did Wilt win one in, uh, outside of the Lakers? Yes. Yeah, he won in 67. So he won two titles. Okay. Because then the Laker one came in the 70s, the 33 yeah. win win streak season and all that. Right. 70, 72. Right. Right. We got more people weighing in. The top five, David says, is LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Russell, and Wilt. Bounces magic out of the top five. Can't do it. (laughs) We're showing our bias. We're in Southern California. I can't do it either. And assuming you put them in order, I also can't put LeBron in front of Jordan. Uh, If you go by order, I'd agree with that. 
but uh, that's sort of nitpicking. I guess it's it, I guess one to two isn't nitpicking. Three to four and four to five in my mind is nitpicking. Maybe one to two isn't nitpicking because there's a designation with number one, and there really isn't much of a designation between three and four and five. Doesn't if you're the fourth best uh, and as opposed to the third best. Well, whoop-de-doo, you know what I mean? doesn't really make much difference. Number one, I get that that holds a little bit bigger of a distinction there, and so that is more sacred. But two, three, four, five, six, I guess maybe six, since there's only five guys on a team on a court at one time. So uh, if you want Jordan, I, I don't have any problem with Jordan. I, I think... I think Kareem and Magic deserve a significant amount of discussion there to number one. I think Abdul-Jabbar doesn't get near the run that he should get. Uh, but I can't, I can't put LeBron over Jordan. 6-0 I, I, and in the finals versus what LeBron has done, losing to some teams that he had no business losing to. Certainly at 3-5, and five, the Dallas Mavericks series sticks out. I think also the loss to the Spurs stick out. If he were 5-3, and three, I think he'd have a pretty good argument given the three teams he would have lost to. But uh, that's not the case, so he's 3-5. and five. Right. Here, Here's one for you. Right. Uh, Brian says, Dr. J, Kobe, Bird, Pistol Pete could have been on that list. That's just an opinion poll. And Jeff fires back with, seriously, people, Kobe may not be in the top five Lakers. That's ridiculous. You you got to do some that's serious. hatred. That's bias. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's I'm sick of losing he's a, the team. He, he's a top three Laker, easy. I mean, come on. Depending on the generation Ooh, you talk to, there's yeah. plenty of Laker fans who put him one. Peacat and I wouldn't because we saw Magic. And you and you can argue Kareem. You're right, but by then you got to go to. Well, Kobe. aren't you going to have people that are going to argue Jerry West? Five five titles. That's a tough one. I know. No. And and bias because I saw Kobe and I didn't see West. I, I see what you're but, saying, yeah. But you're right. Jerry West is awesome. But I would still say Kobe 3. Of course. There's no other player who deserves to be on that list ahead of Kobe, except for the two players that you named. Their top five on that franchise is pretty awesome when you consider they've still got West, Shaq, uh, Elgin Baylor. I, I cannot, uh, Wilt, I cannot bring myself to put uh, LeBron on that list. I don't know how much he has to play as a Laker before I can bring myself to put LeBron. I mean, obviously, he's worn the jersey and he has the talent, but you just can't list Carl Malone, who played one season there, as one of the all-time Laker greats. And LeBron, who's in, you know, two seasons there, as one of the all-time Laker greats. You got to do more time than that. I mean, Shaq bounced around a lot in his career, but since he's got a three-peat there, fine. Wilt, Played two-thirds of his career somewhere else. But he was still there. i got to go back and look it up. I think five years, maybe six. No, it was five. Yeah, it was more at the end of his career, though, Mm -hmm. wasn't it? As far as him putting up the awesome numbers that he was putting up that had come and gone. He was playing a different role, a vital role, nevertheless, but a different role than what he had done earlier, obviously, when he was averaging 50 points and 20 boards or 25 boards and all those outrageous numbers. And, uh, you know, one season, I, I was watching a thing here here recently, and it was, a, it was about Wilt. I can't remember what it was or when it was here, but in the last two months. And there was one season he averaged over. He averaged over 48 minutes a game. <laughs> and they were flying commercial. And here are these load management guys, and Will Chamberlain was averaging over 48 minutes a game when they were flying commercial. There was no such thing as load management, and they had, I assume, I don't know this, but my guess is they had more back-to-backs and all that stuff, and he averaged over 48 minutes. Hey, come on, man. That is just awesome. 48 and a half in 1962. And you're right. Not only did they play back-to-back, but those are in the days when they could play three days in a row. And that got banned by the Players Union. There was some collective bargaining agreement. I have to go back and look it up. But I, I want to say 80s. I could be off, but I think it was in the 80s that that went away. And they only brought it back. It was yeah. a big deal when they brought it back in that 50-game season in 99. Oh, they're playing three in a row again. And that's when Sloan starts dropping the, yeah, well, we played six and seven days, so I don't want to hear about it. Right. And I realized that Wilt was physically dominant compared to the players of his age. 
but still, that has nothing to do with the players of his age. That's him playing basketball uh, as much as he possibly could. It doesn't matter what level of competition he was playing against. The fact that he was out there literally all the time is, I don't know that there's anything more impressive when you're talking about endurance. And, uh, you know, fortunately for him, he wasn't injured enough to keep him out. Uh, very many games. I don't know how many games he played that particular season. Every single His one. average minutes sure was sweet. Yeah, he played. Yeah, there you th- go. Those are 80-game seasons, and he played – uh, he played 72 his rookie year, and then he went 79, 80, 80, 80. So Stockton and Malone are just nodding like, all right, you played 80 games, you averaged 48 and a half minutes. And the years uh, around it, the year before was 47.8. The year after was 47.6, which to me just screams, hey, they were up by 20 and they took him out with two minutes to go. <laughs> I guess so. And to the fact that the stats, we'll just, we won't see them again. He, the year he played 48 and a half minutes, he averaged 50.4 points and 25.7 boards. Can you imagine if someone had a 50-25 game, what would happen to your Twitter feed today in the middle of it? When they were at 30 and 15 early in the third quarter, Twitter would just be losing its mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I won a lot of fantasy basketball off for Wilton, 62, 63, 64. <laughs> come on. <laughs> You're playing as an infant, huh? You were eating pureed food in 62. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Even late in his career, though, when he gets he to— been the, Go ahead. <clears throat> he would have been the un, undisputed number one pick every year. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> He would have wrecked the league. Once you get Wilt at 50 and 25, who's going who's gonna to beat your fantasy team at that point? You're good to go. Nobody. Pick the rest of the thing blindfolded. You'll be set. Ah, whoever. Whatever. Uh, but when Wilt goes to, uh, and this is why Mark Eaton always talks about Wilt stats. Mark Eaton is a big Wilt Chamberlain fan. Cannot underestimate Wilt and Mark's presence without hearing about it. Uh, even when he goes to L.A. late in his career, uh, his first year in L.A., he plays 81 games, plays 45 minutes a night, and averaged 20-20. 20 and a half points, 21 boards. So, Wilt was still crushing it at that point. And how old was he? Uh, let's see. He left school a year early, but I think he played for the Globetrotters for a year. So, he would have been like 32, something like that. Uh, their, okay. cha- their championship season... He was 15 points and 19 boards, played all 82 games, and played 42 minutes a night. If you're 15 and 19 on a title team, playing 42 minutes a night, that's something. And at that point, he's like 34. So, And didn't he have a big spike in his assists? Uh, assists per game spiked uh actually he he spiked in philly his last couple years the championship year he was at seven eight and then the next year is at 8.6 he went to la and it was 4.5 i think he just didn't get the ball as much the the big spike came in 67 and 68 okay but he averaged four a game in la so stuff was running through him and you know he was throwing it out to west or baylor or whoever he would have played Gail Goodridge. <laughs> Gail Goodridge. Happy Harrison. I don't know. I'm out of Lakers of the era. Well, Pat Riley. Pat Riley was playing out there at some point. Didn't he play for the Lakers? Isn't that how he ended up a broadcaster? I know he got. Did Pat Riley play for the Lakers? Absolutely. He played for the Lakers. Yeah. He got drafted by the San Diego Rockets and moved to Houston. I know that. All right. Anybody else you want to put on your top five? Anybody else who deserves it? ESPN listing the top five players of all time. They go with Jordan, LeBron, Magic, Bill Russell, and Kareem. Who is six? I think six? that there's probably certainly. I think there's ten players who deserve it. Can you go beyond ten? Can you get to fifteen who deserve to be in the top five? No, I think I could get to eleven. Only eleven, huh? Uh, I, I I think there's a, a good argument for Oscar. I mean, I, I see the five they put in there, sure. and I really don't think I want to budge. Who do I – I mean, 
Duncan's got five championships and was great for a decade and a half. He played multiple positions. He played so. I mean, there's a lot of arguments for him. But when I look at him, I think, well, who do I want to bump though? I mean, do I want to bump LeBron? Now, two different things, though. I'm not saying you need to bump anybody. I'm just saying, what's the pool of players? If you're going to say, okay, we're going to create a top five, we're going to create a top ten, and you start brainstorming names of players, when do you say, okay, that's enough, I've got my list, now I'll narrow it down from that list? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, there's this argument that that Prime Shaq was – just unstoppable and should be top five. But I feel like even with that, and that's a pretty good argument, right? I mean, this guy's MVPs, and he's not doing Wilts 50 and 25, but, it, I mean, if we call up Shaq's numbers, I want to say he did like 28 and 15. I mean, he, he, was, just, he was just crushing people. With both he and Wilt, the only thing you could say about them is they, they were so physically dominant, the only thing was they didn't shoot free throws well enough. That, that's it. Uh, okay, 2000, the first championship season for Shaq, 29.7 points, 13.6 rebounds, and 3.8 assists. All he does is hit people with, their, with his butt and dunk. Well, he did do a lot of that. But if you're averaging almost four assists a game, I mean, he's at 3.8. Wilt was, I was just reading his numbers, you know, 4.1, 4.5, 4.0, that kind of stuff. It's like you can pass the ball at four assists a game. And Shaq's numbers the next year were, were almost the same. Uh, 1.1 rebound less. So you're you're unguardable. You are unguardable. So, yeah, Oscar, Duncan, Shaq, Larry Bird, three championships, and how much do you get for the narrative of save the league? I mean, the league, the league needed Magic and Bird so badly, and they got people who weren't paying attention and got them to pay attention for a decade. That's a phenomenal – I mean, that's phenomenal. But it's still, I look at the top five. If it's just like how many nominees do I need to get the top five, I wouldn't – Bird was awesome, but I wouldn't take him over LeBron. So I guess I can go. I, I can put him in that group you're talking about, though, and feel pretty good about it. Shaq and Wilt. Oh, I think Bird and Duncan, Oscar Robertson. I'm at ten. Who did I leave out? I left out some. Oh, Kobe. I left out Kobe at eleven. I feel like I'm done. I mean, who would be twelve? Who did I just slight? You love to call me out. Call me out, PK. Who did I just slight? Oh, I think there's a bunch of players. Jerry West. Uh, Off the top of my head, that certainly. was Dr. J. Two guys who I'm, I feel like, I love those guys. They're awesome, and I didn't put them on the list. Who am I feeling guilty about at that yeah, point? Dr. J? Absolutely. Uh, there, there, there might not have been any league to save if it wasn't for, for Dr. J. J. <laughs> Noted St. George resident, Julius yeah. Irving. Potential listener, potential Channel 2 watcher, move Dr. J up the list. I'm sucking up. He doesn't doesn't live there anymore. I think he moved to Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, he was a showman back in the days where the league needed showmans. Both leagues needed it. It was there a merger of the leagues without Dr. J. I mean, we can heap as much praise on Magic and Bird as you want. I've got zero problem with any of it. But let's not ignore what others did and what their contributions were, not only to the teams they were playing for, but for the history of the league. And Dr. J, of course he belongs on that list. And I'm not saying that. I'm saying the list of consideration. Just to me, the list of consideration goes way deeper. If I'm going to list the 10 top players in the league history – I think I'm going to have a, a list of 15 to 20 players to choose from. Now, we're just talking about choosing or creating a list. We're not talking about, well, if you have one, you have to take the other out. No, that's only when you select the final five. But that's what I'm not speaking to. I'm speaking to creating a list of the top 
10 players of all time, how big is the list? I think the list goes at least 15, maybe even 20 of the greatest players. Yes, I do. I think that you have to consider some others. Dr. J is an excellent example. And you didn't. You said you wouldn't go very far, but yet you put. You're the one who brought up Doctor J's name, so I, you are going. I went yeah. to eleven, and then I felt guilty about twelve and thirteen. Two guys. Right. That, two guys that I, I think, definitely watched and were amazed by. Yeah, I mean, Doctor J. What an entertainer! He was one of the original entertainers that go beyond just. The game itself, you know, the the hop, stop, and the bounce pass, and and the blocking out, and you get the rebound off the bounce, and all the things that John Wooden used to talk about, and you fold your socks right, and all that stuff. Uh, if nothing else, Doctor J was six seven, six eleven with the afro. Yeah. I mean, come on, Would there he was be- as entertaining as can be. And even when he when he toned that down, he was. So I don't think guys like us, we didn't come close to see Doctor J in his prime. But we saw Doctor J to the level of wow, did you see that move? And we can all see those finger rolls and the up and under that they use against that even win the series against the Lakers. I think that was when Magic was a rookie. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check that. But we see him with that looking like like a uh, practically a volleyball in his hands or a baseball. I mean, his hands were so enormous. The basketball looked like it was smaller when it was in his hands. I mean, he wasn't a great perimeter shooter, but the skill level that he had, certainly he deserves to be at least on the list for consideration. If you want to cut him along the line, I'm fine with that. But he de- he definitely deserves it. I think you got to put the statues on the list, too. If I'm going to list the 10 greatest players and I'm going to create a list of players who are worthy of that distinction, I think those two belong at least to get some level of discussion. And I realize they didn't win any titles, but I'm going to put Jerry West in as a slam dunk, and he won one. It doesn't seem like there's a big difference between one and zero. Well, on that list of uh, when I was at 11, Oscar would have been a one-time champion, I think, is the only guy in the original 11 that I put on with who's a one-time champ. I think everybody else had multiple. Um, And then if you add West and Dr. J, you're adding a pair of one-time champions. So that's now three guys on the list who I only have one title. Now you can say, hey, Dr. J spent five years in the ABA, which, you know, you can't win the NBA title from the ABA. Now he didn't win the ABA title either. So you want to go ahead and factor that in. We didn't see. Yeah, I we, think you can do that. We didn't see most of his career. I mean, he played until '87. The title year was '83. But when Magic and Bird come into the league in the 1979-1980 season, which before that it was hard to watch the league because it wasn't on much. So even if you followed it, you still didn't watch it. And certainly, you know, he wasn't on the local team we could watch. He's playing in Philadelphia, so uh, maybe you. I don't know. You probably didn't even get to see that in New York, though. You probably were seeing Knicks games. You, did you see Sixer games up there? Correct. Right. Uh, so really, uh, by the time not, any not to the level, no. Yeah, by the time anybody's really watching, uh, he's 29 years right. old. You know, you've missed a big chunk right. of his career. Yes, and I think DJ. I think the fact that he didn't win in the ABA actually gives more credibility to the ABA. I think the ABA didn't get its due because it was viewed as sort of a, uh, not a, not a freakish league, but maybe a tricked up league when in reality it was a great league full of at least maybe not a great league you can argue i don't know but i do know that it was full not full but it consisted of great players there's no doubt in my mind that's why i would even throw in a player when we're creating this list i would throw in a player the caliber of george gervin the ice man you know i think the thing that stand that uh really stands out for the uh the ABA is that a guy like uh, Booner, now we know about him because he's here, he's been here forever, we've talked about him, but Booner was telling me this story, and we'd have to, I'd have to ask him who it was, but there was somebody, it was a sideline reporter on a playoff game, and I want to say it was in the D. Will era, 
and they were talking to Booner, and they didn't realize that he had played, that he had an Ironman streak and had played in over a thousand straight games. And they looked up his stats and were like, wow, you're pretty good. And he told me later, like, no bleep. <laughs> but it was somebody who was way yeah. younger, and, you know, it's the ABA. But when someone like Booner, who was really good, but who didn't have the celebrity star quality of, you know, Dr. J or, I don't know, whoever, whoever your favorite ABA, you know, stars of the era were. You know? Absolutely. you damn, damn right. Thank you, Booner. Artist Gilmore, I don't know. David Thompson. You know, there's some, there's some names that have some celebrity with them, right? But he didn't have celebrity. But he comes out, and he just plays five years in the NBA right away. Just boom. And so when guys like Booner, who don't have the celebrity, stick in the league— you know there was some depth to the league. And that's your point with Dr. J. There's some depth to the league, or Dr. J would have just run over it. And he'd be sitting on, right. you know, three or four titles in five years. But there was it wasn't just, you know, Rick Barry and Dr. J. I mean, you know those names. But if you dig down further, there's guys who don't have the celebrity, but when the leagues merge, they just go right in and they just play because they're that good. Of course, and Rick Barry's another name. Thank you for bringing up Rick Barry. Thank you. Rick Barry, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Oh, we settled that, didn't we? Ironed that right out. No. It was, it was actually a pretty good list, though. I thought the top five, I didn't think there were, there's, there's stuff you can argue in the list, but there weren't glaring omissions. There weren't total head scratchers in there. DJ and PK, coming up next, uh, what were you watching? We'll get to that. Oh, I saw, I saw something really cool. Another example of, man, that happened then, and it didn't even make a wave. Now it'd be massive. We'll get to that next. Bowlers here at 830. Joe Ingles, going to be Papa, going to have a third Ingles kid. We'll tell you all about that. Coming up, 9 o'clock, Joe will join us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Heelan, Pro Basketball Talk and NBCSports.com. All right, we've asked you a scale of 1 to 10, so you were a 6 into the first month of lockdown. Where are you at now? 8.5, maybe 9. Like, I can certainly draw up some frightening scenarios that just kind of blow the thing up, but at this point, there is a real motivation among players, among ownership and league staff to find a way to do this. Look, if Adam Silver learned one lesson from David Stern, it's don't make a decision until you have to make a decision. Like, gather all the info you can take all the time you can if you're in that spot so that's why you're hearing now he's not going to make a decision for two to four weeks i'd be surprised at this point if it's not happening you know if there's not probably a bubble in las vegas and a bubble in orlando east and west and then they go from there hanson scotting weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5 the zone and the zone sports network a little extra time on your hands it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time what did you watch last night with dj and pk on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network too much time on my hands too much time on my DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What did you watch last night? PK, we've been talking about how the documentaries on the big events are more interesting than watching a full round of golf, a full game of football, a full game of baseball, basketball, whatever. They were replaying on the Golf Channel, the 1974 PGA Championship. And I came in, I was channel surfing, and I came in way late. So I just saw the end of it. I didn't sit through the whole thing. And then at the end, they had, just to kind of round out the time probably, they had like a a three- or four-minute summary of where guys' careers went. Well, the 74 PGA, Lee Trevino wins. Nicholas finishes second. In those days, this was awkward. My wife was there, and she she even goes, this is kind of awkward. He looks mad. In those days, they're interviewing the champion, and they got the reporter there, and there's interviewing Lee Trevino. And in between them, not even on the outside shoulder, in between them is Jack Nicholas. Now, it's not like he was making faces or he said anything, but man, you just finished second, and you got to stand in between the interviewer and the guy who won. That was a little awkward. But they went into what Nicholas did afterwards and then what Trevino did afterwards. And when Torino won in 74, it was his first major title in three years. It was a big deal. It was his fifth of his career. And he didn't win again 
for almost a decade. It was in the 80s when he won another PGA title. And one of the reasons that he didn't win in that time period is he got hit by lightning. And, I mean, I remember reading that. It wasn't the first thing I thought. And my wife is like, ah! And they had a photo of him on the ground after he's hit with them attending to him. And he's laying face down in the grass. Can you imagine? Wow. I mean, they're so careful with lightning now, right? They've got wow. a, a trailer that gets hauled to every event, not just on the PGA Tour, but on the other tours that PGA runs as well, including the one that comes through here. And they've been doing it for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years or whatever. And they know when there's lightning, you know, five miles away. So they get guys off the course now. But can you imagine if an elite guy like that with five major championships got hit by lightning now? I mean, that seems unthinkable. It does, yeah. I totally agree. So that's what I was watching last night. What were you watching? I did a little educational TV, the rare time. Normally, I'm a junk TV watcher. Oh, yeah? Would you hit, like, National Geographic? I do. National Geographic, Smithsonian? The Smithsonian. Oh, nice. Yeah, the Smithsonian, and they had a thing on birds in uh, Yellowstone and birds being born and how other birds fly after birds who have the food, and then, of course, the other animals who are preying on birds that they get fish and whatnot, and they had cameras underwater. I mean, the, ma- the amount of stuff that they can come up with is just truly amazing, and it's obviously it's in living color, as they say. <laughs> so it was in Yellowstone, and it was spectacular, and it caught my interest, and normally I'm a guy who has very little interest in anything. I'm a very shallow person when it comes to that stuff, but I was into that. And just the, just the uh, cinematography, I guess you would say, was really something that just caught my eye. And I ended up watching probably 45 minutes of it. I didn't really see anything else that was on that was floating my boat. But this one did. And to see the various animals in the park, you know, obviously it's a national park and it's expansive. I don't know how many acres there must be in that place. But, uh, you know, just uh, and, and the, the uh, side notes to it, the waterfalls that they would show and wasn't even the main purpose of the uh, show, but it was part of the show. And just the scenery was just spectacular. And I'm sure many of our listeners have been there and they know exactly what I'm talking about. But really, it's just amazing. See, I can see why this would appeal to you, though, because this is uh, it's competition. It's intriguing, right? How does the bird catch the fish? How does the fish avoid the bird? Once the bird has the fish, what other birds are going to come try to take the fish away from the bird? I mean, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, the system of of, of just how they have in terms of surviving and what needs to be done and how they go about doing that and and giving birth and all, all this stuff is just it's just really unbelievable and then that they were and just even beyond that the fact that they're able to capture this stuff on camera and it shows uh, bears uh, climbing up trees and all these types of things it's just an absolutely 100% amazing that they could even capture it on film let alone that it actually happens but that they can get it on film and then also show it and as it's happening, it's, and I have a simple mind, obviously, and, and this thing. I'm just, I was sitting there, and I was amazed that they could pull it off and show it and put it on my television. And then also when you think about all the stuff that goes on in the animals and birds and have all these things in their lives and how they survive and all this stuff is and their way of life. I mean, I, I don't think I could have made it as a bird. <laughs> There's, uh, I don't know if you've ever been in it, but there's, uh, there's uh, an art gallery in um, Park City. Now, since you're pleading guilty on how shallow you are, my dad got his master's degree in, uh, and was an art teacher and was an artist. And when I was a little kid, and I mean, I'm talking like three, four, five, six years old, I got dragged to so many art galleries that to get me into an art gallery now, you would have to leave a trail of food and cash, and albino alligators for the moat, okay? I am not motivated. I, I, just got, I just got worn out before I was in the second grade. And 
but I'm going. I'm we're walking, and we're brand new, right? We've just moved to Utah, and I don't know who Thomas Mangelson is. And we're just walking up Park City one day, right? We've heard about Park City, and my, we don't have kids yet. And my wife and I are walking around up there, and we see this art gallery, and I want to go in. And she already knows this about me and art galleries. She'd like to go in, but she knows I'm going to just you know make a face and whine and complain like a three year old. And but I want to go into this because he had wildlife photos, and so it turns out like he's like. He's the elite. He's the cream of the crop, right? He's the, uh, he's the LeBron MJ. And so I've since seen him interviewed, uh, just channel surfing. I've, I've fallen into stuff. 60 Minutes did something with him one time. And so I've seen these multiple interviews with him. And what you're talking about, about how they get these shots and the thought. I mean, you talk about coaches with game plans. It's like, here's where I found where the animal goes. Now I have to get the light right. I have to get to the spot, and I can't. The animal can't smell me, right? Which way is the wind blowing? Because the animal smells me. He's not going to that spot, and I got to get to that spot before they get to that spot. And the wind's got to be in the right direction. And then I have to sit there for two, three, four, five hours, whatever, as the light changes, so it gets to the time of day I need to get the most dramatic shot. I mean, the amount of time they put in and the thought they put into this—it does blow your mind. It's just, it's unbelievable that they pull this off. I heard him interviewed. I was totally amazed. Yuck. Yes, sir. In that classic DJ, I come up with something and he comes up with a several minute story. (laughs) This guy's got stories for everything, doesn't he? He Oh, your stories are way better than my stories. You both have great stories. Let's no, I'm not. I'm not no. saying of the quality. I'm saying that you have a story for everything, and it was a good story. Uh, I appreciated you telling it. I'm not making fun of it. So quantity I know you may versus sa- quality. It may sound like it, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm saying you have a story for everything, and you can relate it to some personal story. It's just absolutely, utterly amazing. I still wish I had some of your stories, except for the one about stealing the car after, or taking the car, not stealing, taking your sister's car after she told out to. I don't want that story, although it's an awesome story. I don't want that one. That would have sucked. She might say that I was stealing it. <laughs> you can't. You're a little brother. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I'm the judge. It doesn't work that way. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, uh, PK, you heard a college basketball coach say something, and uh, he's not local, but it impacts a local team and a guy who's about to be a local player, and it caught your attention, and I haven't heard it, but my immediate reaction when Yach told me about it was, I don't think he should have said that. I don't think he should have said that. But we'll hear it for ourselves, and we'll decide that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.